Well, I also want to say uh, good morning to each of you, and so glad that you are here. We're in a new sermon series for this month of September called Foundation, and I'll, I'll come to that in a little bit about uh, the, the title of that and what that's all about. Today we're going to talk about growing up, and uh, one of the things that I think is true of all young people, especially, well, for all of us, when we are young or when we were young, is that you typically want to grow up faster than you do. And you know what that's like. Maybe you remember that. When you're a kid, you always want to be older than you are. You always want to be bigger than you are. And uh, you, you sort of have this longing for that. So even kids, when they play games and they play dress-up, they typically play different adult roles of different things because they want to grow up. They want to get older. They want to get bigger. They want to get stronger. I think that's a, a, a pretty natural tendency for all of us when we're young. I know that when young kids... And I've noticed this so many times when young kids, they tell you how old they are. They always, you know, tell you in fractions, right? You know, they say like, I'm, well, I'm five and a half, you know, or they say like, I'm three and three quarters or something, or, you know, I'm almost 13. But then you want to, so when does that stop? When do you actually stop doing that? You know, I've never heard anybody say, well, I'm 37 and a half years old. Or, you know, I'm 67 and three quarters. Or, or, you know what? I'm 81, but I'm almost 82. Like, you never hear that. You know, it, so at some point, we sort of stop having this longing, this desire to grow older, this longing and desire to get bigger. We want, in fact, to have it to slow down. You know, physical maturing and maturing physically is, is something that was, is really largely out of our control. We don't actually control that a whole lot. It just kind of happens, doesn't it? We start as an infant and we have all of these needs that we have to be taken care of by our parents. We can't do anything on our own. And yet, if there is nutrition there and the normal things of life, we start to grow very quickly. And we see our little children grow very fast and they get big. And then all of a sudden you hit puberty and then everything gets really weird. And you start to grow quicker and some people mature more quickly than others. And hair starts to grow in places that it's never grown before. And we grow in weird and bizarre ways and we don't know what to do with our hormones and all those kinds of things. And we get stronger and we get bigger and pretty soon we can do things that we could never do when we were younger. We go through a phase of life where you almost feel invincible, like you can do anything because you're young and strong and full of energy and have all of this capacity. And then you start to notice that food starts to stick. And then your pants get bigger unless you buy ones with elastic waistbands. Okay, And then all of a sudden you can't do the things that you used to do. You can't exert yourself like you once could and you start to lose hair in places where you wish it would stay. And it starts to change color and you get defensive and even angry when somebody for the very first time calls you middle age. And that's not a compliment. And then suddenly you're on this downhill side of life and everything starts to pick up speed and the wind is in your hair and the bugs are in your false teeth and... You kind of get the picture, right? It goes fast. And we age physically. We mature physically quickly. And we just want to slow it down sometimes. And the point I'm making is that when it comes to the physical things in life, when it comes to physically growing up, we really don't have a lot of choice. It kind of just happens. But we're holistic beings. We are made more than just physically. We have, uh, we are made emotionally and relationally, intellectually and spiritually. And what strikes me is that in a lot of those areas of our lives, 
when we also need to grow up, that those things we have a little bit more choice in, don't we? We can choose whether we want to stay mature or stay immature, or we can choose whether we're going to mature and actually grow up in some of those areas. We have much more control, it seems. And immaturity in these areas has many different expressions. When we're young, we are so used to taking all the time. It's all about us, and so we, in our immaturity as young babies, I mean, especially because it's just, you just need things, and others provide for every care and every need. And then as we get older and as we mature, we realize that maturity so often is about giving up for the sake of others. You think of siblings, if you grew up with siblings and how you related to those siblings as a young child versus how you relate to siblings as an older adult. And hopefully, we mature in those things. We grow up emotionally, intellectually, relationally, and all of those kinds of things, and how we communicate with each other, how we deal with conflict resolution, whatever the case may be. I know sometimes I've talked to young adults, and, and there's this overwhelming sense of all of the changes that are going on, all of the decisions that they have to make, and, and, and they just want to slow some of this growing up down a little bit. You know, maybe they're moving out of their parents' home and they're now having to get a job and they're having to make decisions on school and career and future things and suddenly they have debts and suddenly they realize how much everything costs. And there's just decision after decision after decision and I know I've heard more than one young adult say, you know, I just sort of want to hit pause button sometimes. I just don't want to grow up quite this fast. It all comes quickly. So intellectually, we grow up as we go from having very basic understanding of the world and the way things work to understanding abstract and, and complex ideas and the way the world works in different systems and so on. And so we grow up intellectually. Emotionally, we go from immaturity to maturity as we, we maybe are a person who takes offense to everything and then we realize that, no, we need to extend grace. Relationally, we learn to forgive and we learn to know what it means to ask for forgiveness as well, too. We mature. Then there's this area of spiritually. How do we grow up spiritually? That's what we're going to be talking about throughout this series, talking about that today and in the weeks to come. Because you see, staying immature in these other areas of our lives is also not really an option. One of the truths of Scripture is that God accepts us exactly as we are but has no expectation that we will stay exactly as we are. Because you see, God is in the business of transformation. God is in the business of changing us, transforming us more and more into His image, more and more into maturity in some of these other areas. And so even as a church, I would say the same would be true. If you're here today as a a guest, as a new person who's never been here, I want you to know that, that you are welcome here exactly as you are. But also to know that there is an expectation that you won't stay that way. That's true for all of us. That we won't stay the way that we are today. That we will grow and mature relationally, emotionally, spiritually. That we will grow up in our faith, grow up in the church. And that's what we're going to be talking about in these weeks ahead. This transformation that God calls us to. 2014, this year, is the 50th anniversary of this church. The church plant that eventually became Forest Grove Community Church started on the other side of the city as Nutana MV Church in 1964. 
And you can read some of that if that history interests you. There's some of that in our annual report from spring, and it's on our website, and you can read some of that story there. Also, just let you know that on November 2nd, a couple of months from now in the evening, we're going to have a celebration to celebrate this 50th anniversary as well. But this month in September, as we begin this ministry year, I wanted us to look at a text uh, in these next four Sundays that has been a significant text for our church over the course of our history. And again, as I've read through some of our documents and seen this text come through in different ways again and again, it's this text in 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 3 that, that speaks about growing up, that speaks about maturity as a church and why it's important. And one of the key texts uh, from that chapter is text that is the, the theme of this series called Foundation, where in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians 3, it says this, But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that we already have, which is Jesus Christ. And there's truth that we only build on the foundation of Jesus Christ, but that God has called us to build, called us to grow up, called us to mature, called us to change by the power of His Holy Spirit. So today we want to look at the first four verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I'd encourage you to open your Bibles or to turn on your phone apps or whatever the case may be and have a look at this text in 1 Corinthians 3 as we walk through this together. It's a text, again, that speaks about immaturity and some of what immaturity looks like that Paul is addressing here. And it gives us some hints of the other side of what maturity looks like, or at least maturing. Because I don't know that we can ever say, well, now we are spiritually mature. But at least are we spiritually maturing? Are we in that process of transformation? So Paul, as he's addressing this church in the city of Corinth, he's writing to them and he's saying some pretty interesting things to them. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready. For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like people of the world? Now, if you have studied the, this letter, this text that is written to the church of Corinth at all, you know that this is a church that had lots of challenges. This is a church that needed to grow up in a lot of ways, that was trying to follow in obedience to Christ and understand what it meant to be a follower of Christ and to establish this congregation that would meet together and uh, try to live out this faith in Jesus in a whole new way, and they had many challenges. And Paul is now addressing them and he's saying, you know what, you're, you're, you're still caught up in some immature things. You've made it all about human leaders. And it's not about that. It's about Jesus Christ. He says, why are you picking favorites? And you're making issues in places and in ways where there shouldn't be any issues. And in fact, he says, instead of celebrating the differences between some of your human leaders, you're sort of creating camps and you're setting one up against the other and, and looking at it in that way. We don't know what the specific issues are. We don't, we don't know why people were sort of following Paul and following Apollos. We can only speculate and wonder. I thought about that. I thought, you know, maybe it's like this. Maybe one of them says, well, I like Apollos, you know, because he preaches from the right translation of the Bible. You know that one that, you know, really serious scholars preach from? I like that guy. He's good. 
Or somebody else says, well, no, 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 I really like Paul because Paul, Apollos, he just, he tells all these personal stories and he's kind of long-winded and he kind of loses me, you know, and so I really like Paul. And I like Paul because he just says it like it is, you know, he just preaches the word, you know, gets right up in people's face kind of thing. I like that. You know, not really good at compassion or mercy ministries, you know, but he's just really, you know, loves the word of God and says it like it is. I don't know what it was. I don't know how that uniquely kind of played out of how these people created camps around these two, but Paul sees this. He sees this happening and he is trying to address it in a very significant way. And he says, you know what? When you do this, it's revealing immaturity. He says you need to grow up in your faith. You need to become spiritually mature people because you need to realize that it's not about that. And he says, I I fed you with milk and I couldn't feed you with solid food. In fact, I still can't. Because you weren't ready for it. You were still quarreling with each other and arguing with each other in, in different ways. Rather than growing in spiritually mature ways and seeing people for the gifts that they really are. And he says to them, you're, you're more like what he calls people of the world. In other words, people who don't see things through a spiritual lens. So he rebukes them for these camps that they've created. He says, you know what, when you make things and you make the church about being champions of human leaders, you've lost the point. Because in maturity, we applaud those who have different gifts. And in maturity, we applaud those who are different than us, even those who are sometimes hard to get along. And we see the gifts that God has placed in them, and we see that they are a unique imprint of the living God. And not just for leaders, but for all of us. As we walk together as a faith community and as you see other people with different gifts and different personalities and different ways of carrying out things, that, that you are actually able to applaud them and cheer them on and be their greatest cheerleader. Even if they're so, and especially if they're so different than you. Paul is inferring that that is a sign of maturity. If you're able to say to somebody, you know what, you're really good at that. And in fact, you're actually better at that than I am. Maturity. Paul says that's what we're looking for in the church, a church that is growing and maturing in different ways. And when we realize that, we realize that there is strength, strength in the body because we are so different. So why does this matter? And if there is any one point that I want us to get out of the message today is this question of why does this maturity matter? What difference does it make? Why is it so important to Paul? And he comes out in a whole variety of different ways, as we'll see. What are the implications? Why is it that we need to grow up? Why can't we just stay the way that we are? 1 Corinthians 10, verses, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, Paul says this, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. So again, he's emphasizing here, right even in the first part of this letter, he's saying, be of one thought, one mind, one purpose. Don't have divisions in the church, but be unified. It makes such a difference. And then he gets to some of why it matters in, in chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. He says this, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. And he gets to right at the core of what Paul is all about, and what the church needs to be all about. It's, it's about Jesus Christ, the one crucified, and all of the implications of that. 
little bit further on in, in chapter 2 and verse 6, he says, when I'm among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though He made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. And again, Paul is saying that this unity in the church, it matters because of who Jesus Christ is. And in immaturity, he says, it reveals itself in disunity. He says the immature church is one that is disunified in a whole variety of different ways that loses sight of God's mission in the world. If you are here last spring and we did a sermon series on Timothy and Titus, we saw that theme come through again and again and again where Paul is speaking to these young leaders in the local churches there and, and he's saying to Timothy and Titus, don't get caught up in these idle conversations. Don't get caught up in all these meaningful or meaningless conversations about things that really don't matter. Paul is constantly saying, keep the main thing the main thing. It's about Jesus Christ and the hope of this gospel. So we see that over and over again. Paul has this passion to proclaim the name of Jesus. And he says, church, don't lose this focus. Church, don't lose this passion. Don't get caught up in other things. You know, this local church has been about proclaiming that name of Jesus for the last 50 years. And Lord willing, will be proclaiming the name of Jesus for another 50 years. That's what we have to be about. This free gift of salvation. This hope that is found in Jesus Christ that results in a transformed lives, transformed family. It changes them. This is the Gospel. This is the good news. The hope that Paul is all about in the focus of the church. So you see, the local church really mattered to Paul and that's why he poured his life into this bride of Christ as he calls it. Because the local church is what Jesus set in motion. So Jesus gave His life for, breathed His Spirit into, and called into His mission in the world. Bill Hybels is known as you know, quoting this saying of the local church is the hope of the world. Earl McManus, in one of his books, he talks about the local church as being the unstoppable force. And these are true when the local church is doing what it's called to do, when it's living in the way it's called to live. And this church that Paul envisions here and that he's talking to in this city of Corinth is one that he sees as having all of that capability, all of this potential because of the Spirit of God. But when we get distracted with other things and when disunity comes up, because of immaturity, he says, the local church that is supposed to be unstoppable becomes very stoppable. Because it gets mired in its own stuff and it gets mired in things that really don't matter. Paul is constantly lifting their eyes and lifting our eyes to Jesus. Things that matter. That the church will be unified and grow in maturity. Be unified around this message rather than being distracted by other things. It also matters very much to Jesus, which is why in John chapter 17, when Jesus said His prayer, and He prayed this last prayer before He went to the cross, and He prayed for unity for those that would follow. And He says this in John chapter 17. As Jesus is praying to His heavenly Father, He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in Me through their message. That's us. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, 
as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So here's Jesus' prayer. And He's praying, Heavenly Father, would you just cause these disciples to be unified? Would you cause them to be unified in purpose and in mission? And would they do so so that the world will know? And He says, even for all of those who come after, for all of those who believe in their story and their testimony and the writings of this book, for those who follow the local church, He says, would they be so unified that the world will know that there is truth to this gospel message. And there are a few things that are so powerful as when a local church with very diverse people, very different personality, very different gifts, is unified in its purpose and in its mission, the mission that God has given. That is so attractive to the outside world looking in and wondering what's going on, what's different there. And that's the call that Paul is giving to this church in Corinth and to us as well. That is how Jesus prayed that we may have that kind of witness, unified witness in the world. You know, we might not have a lot of choice in terms of our physical maturing, but I pray that we would have courage to mature and to grow up in all kinds of ways in these areas that we've talked about. Next week we're going to talk about and we'll see that there are things that we can do and there are also things that only God can do, but that we have a role to play. And in the weeks and months ahead, we're going to talk a lot about and get give opportunity for you to be engaged in God's Word, like the study guide, the sermon guides that we give you each week that you can pick up at the Welcome Center or that you can get online. But you can dig into the Word of God in your small group or with your family as a follow-up to the message of that week. We want you to get into the Word and become people of the Word in increasing ways. That we would be people of prayer in increasing ways. That God will shape us and transform us more and more into His image as we live in response to His Word. We just came through the book of James this summer where James says, don't just hear the Word of God, but do what it says. James in many ways is saying, grow up. You need to grow up. Not just hearing the Word of God, but listening to the Word of God, and then doing what it says. Put your trust in it. Put your weight on it. Jesus said a very similar thing in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7 where He ends it and He's teaching His disciples about what it means to build your house on rock and what it means to build a house on sand, that well-known parable that He tells. And the difference is, He says, both hear the Word of God, but the difference is, is those who obey the Word of God. Those who actually put it in motion, put it into practice, test it, live their lives out of the Word of God and trust and so that we would be that kind of church as we go into this fall. That we would be people who are not only hearers of the Word, but that we are doers of the Word and walk in that kind of obedience and that kind of faith. So this is the call of God to our church to continue to grow up in maturity and unity. And this matters so much because Unity gives evidence of maturity and it leads the church to glorify God and engage in His mission in the world. So that's why it matters. My question for you is, is what will you do this fall in this regard to grow up in the faith? And what will we do this fall as a church to continue to grow up in maturity as a church 
in order to live out God's mission in this way. In closing, listen to these words from Ephesians 3 that Paul says as he, again, lifts the eyes of the people beyond what they're experiencing. And here he's speaking to this church in Ephesus. But now he's saying, here's, here's the mission of the church, and he frames it in a unique way. Paul says this, Though I am the least deserving of all of God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. And God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Isn't that an amazing picture of the church? That Paul says that he wanted to use the church to display all of God's wisdom in creative ways and in many ways in this world. And that's the call that God has given to you and me, us together, to be the church. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you and we praise you for the truth of these words, the challenge of these words. We pray that through your Holy Spirit, you would speak to us not just today, but through this week, through this month, as we settle into this text in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And Lord, as this has been a text that has guided and led people who have been part of this congregation for many decades, I pray that it too would, in a very fresh way, challenge us this month of how you are calling us. Lord, I pray that you would grow us up in this. I pray that you would grow us up in maturity as a body of believers. And God, that the evidence of that would be an increased unity and an increased passion and focus on your mission that you have given the church to bring the blessing and the hope of God to all the nations of the earth. God, we pray for that. Help us to be responsive people and to live in responsive ways to your word. We pray in Jesus' name.